Thanks to our sponsor, Omega Management Group, listeners of Crack the Customer Code receive a discount for registration at the 14th Annual Omega Score Conference in Boston on May 25th through the 27th. This is the industry forum on CEM best practices to drive customer loyalty. Check out this episode's show notes for your link and make sure to sign up today. Welcome to episode 114 of Crack the Customer Code. This episode is brought to you by Audible. With more than 180,000 titles, you can listen to all those books you've been meaning to read. Listeners of this podcast can receive a 30-day free trial to experience for themselves. Sign up at audibletrial.com slash customer code. I'm Jeannie Walters, and here I am with my co-host and the superintendent of the School of Service, Adam Toporek. <laughs> oh, no, the superintendent. <laughs> yes, that's right. We're all in trouble. Oh, I know. I was say, isn't, isn't that usually a, term, a slang for bureaucrat? <laughs> I'm sure there are lots of good superintendents out there, but I'll take yes. it. So There you go. That's nice. The School of Service. I think we're on to something. Well, we went to school, to art school today and creativity school today. We did. Because we, we did. had Ron Tite. He was really fun. And I think people are going to get a lot out of this. He's He's got a really unique perspective, I think, on how to tie in some comedic and creative principles to business. It's just not funny, though. That's I want everybody to know going in, he's not funny. He doesn't try to be funny <laughs> and all that. So you, you want to set up people, right? And I, I want you right. to know that Ron's really not very funny. So Right. There you go. <laughs> he'll, he'll appreciate that intro. <laughs> I, thought, I think he would like that intro. I did that just for Ron. So, But, yeah, it was an absolutely it was a really neat episode because I think we don't talk about creativity and, you know, inspiration and those sort of soft skills and those sort mm -hmm. of s softer non-business, non-profit, non-kill uh, them and eat them <laughs> type, <laughs> type skills. And, you know, they're important. I think that's where a lot of, lot of the great things we come for uh, that we get in business, excuse me, are from people being allowed to be creative. And we talked a little bit about that in a previous episode with sort of that environment, but he really talks about the art and the artistic expression. Mm -hmm. I think it's, a, it's just a great uh, framework. And he's got a great story about customer service, too, that I think everybody will enjoy. So I think we should jump in. What do you think? Let's do it. Tell us about Ron. Trained at Toronto's legendary second city, Ron was named one of the top 10 creative Canadians. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> by <laughs> Marketing Magazine. He's been an award-winning advertising writer and creative director for some of the world's most respected brands, including Air France, Evian, Fidelity, Hershey, Johnson & Johnson, and many others. He is founder and CEO of the content marketing agency, The Tight Group, executive producer and host of the Canadian comedy award-winning show, Monkey Toast. <laughs> My old job. I, yeah. <laughs> and is a featured marketing expert on the new Mark Burnett-produced business reality show, Dream Funded. He has written for a number of other television series, penned a children's book, and wrote, performed, and produced the play, The Canadian Baby Bonus. In demand as a speaker on innovation, branding, content marketing, and his own take on modern business, the expression economy, Ron has spoken to leading organizations all over the world. His upcoming book, Everyone's an Artist, or at least they should be, will be published by HarperCollins in 2016. Well, hey, Ron, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Adam. How are you doing? Doing wonderfully. 
We're Excellent. So coming happy. to you live from Vancouver, British Columbia. Excellent. Well, we're so happy to have you here. Is it, is Thanks. It, I'm happy to be to be had. Is, is it still winter there? <laughs> uh, not in Vancouver. You know, and, uh, my home's in Toronto, but I'm in Vancouver today. And Vancouver is just one of the most gorgeous cities in the world. And uh, it just gets a little rainy here. But uh, other parts of the country, yeah, sadly, it's still winter. Uh, <laughs> well, speaking of warm weather, uh, I had the pleasure of seeing you speak a few months ago back in Fort Lauderdale. And as soon as I saw you, I knew we had to have you on the show. Your presentations are amazing, and you're able to use humor incredibly effectively to deliver your you know, important messages. So we'd love for you to share with our listeners your journey to where you are now, how you went from being a comedian who speaks to a speaker who's funny. Well, well, thank you for those very kind words, and I'll proceed to not be funny at all, even after that <laughs> <laughs> lovely introduction let your listeners down. Um, you know, I, I, it, it has been a really interesting journey, and it's kind of a lot of things that are kind of coming together. And I think well, whenever you can do that, whenever you can combine skill sets from really diverse backgrounds or experiences into one new thing, it's always really, really unique. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I was always a kind of a double major, if you will, uh, in that I was always a, a comedian and and working kind of the comedy circuit and doing a lot of stand-up. And at the same time, was working in advertising uh, as a creative director at a, a big international shop. And then, you know, I started, as I was doing more corporate shows uh, as a comedian, I would, you know, start to kind of bring in, because of, because of my advertising background, I, you know, I kind of, just kind of got a lot of categories and, and industries. And so I'd kind of bring in some, you know, relevant points of interest and kind of more strategic points. And uh, I could just see like, like the, the looks on the faces in the audience of people kind of going, what? You're, you're just supposed to be a comedian, you know, because no comedian ever kind of follows the punchline with anything serious. And so there were two things. One, when I, when I did that, I actually loved the silence that followed a punchline. I loved hearing silence in a room and understood very, very quickly that there's a lot more to comedy that, that you can, that there's a lot more that you can use comedy for, that you can use comedy to set people up and, and to get them to pay attention and to listen to you. And then when you follow that humor with something that really makes sense or that they hadn't thought of before, that is really appropriate and, and relevant to their business life, that's a really powerful combination. The other side of that was that you know, this whole definition thing that people didn't, you don't define as a comedian as somebody who does that. So what I had to do was, you know, I didn't really change a heck of a lot. I just said, stop selling me as a comedian and just start selling me as a, as a speaker who just happens to be funny. And, and that kind of definition is, is, a, is much more, is much easier for people to grasp and, and to relate to. So I don't, I don't think I stopped ever being a comedian. I just changed the definition of what a comedian does and, and, and what you should expect from a comedian. And so I stopped selling myself as a comedian, started speaking and, you know, went from being kind of the after dinner entertainment to a keynote earlier in the day and started to write my material, you know, instead of looking for comedy first and then looking for why that was relevant, I started looking for the relevant things first and, and started to make that funny and looked for interesting humorous stories that could support those, uh, you know, the more relevant business points. 
And so now I'm, you know, I, I, I left that uh, aforementioned international agency and, and started my own content marketing agency called the Tight Group. And, uh, and so now, you know, do, yeah, no, probably 65 speeches a year, you know, all around the world. And, uh, and it's an incredible, you know, business development tool for the agency. So it's, uh, it's, you know, all things coming together in a nice, beautiful little package with a bow on it. <laughs> nice. And you make it sound so easy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As I'm, as I'm speaking to you from a hotel room in Vancouver, uh, I am away a lot and, um, it, you know, it, it takes an extra effort to kind of stay connected to the office. I have an amazing management team there and, and a, and a, and a staff of people who, who kind of run the agency day to day and, and they're, they're awesome. So it, it really is a nice balance, but it's not without its challenges. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and you remind me of, uh, a friend I had in high school who I thought was so funny. And he finally told me, stop introducing me like I'm funny because then people want me to do something like slip on a banana peel right away. Like he was like, <laughs> he's like, I have yeah. things to say. You know? Yeah. You know, it's really funny because, um, you know, I've, I've always felt that comedians should be funny when the spotlight is on them and when the time is to be funny. But yeah, there are some people when you say you've got a background in comedy or you're a comedian, they're like, say something funny. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so like, well, I'm not a, dog that says tricks, you know, uh, and there's no worse introduction that you could ever give a speaker than to say, this guy's hilarious. You're going to love him because then people are like, oh, really? All right. Make me laugh, funny guy. (laughs) Right. The the bar's above your head already. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like the comedy to be a nice surprise for Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Well, and similarly to what you're talking about with using kind of those comedic principles in your business speaking, you also teach that every one of us is an artist or should be. And so what can we in the business world really learn from artists and comedians and all those people about the creative process? Yeah, you know, I mean, first of all, we are all artists. In our in our hearts, we are all artists. We we start out, you know, in, in kindergarten, you know, Sir Ken Robbins has a lot, done a lot of great work on this, where we start out as these great artists who – who, you know, explicitly, and, and, you know, we just, we express ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere along the way, it gets beaten out of us. And, um, you know, uh, we, we kind of take that feedback of people kind of going, I'm not going to get that. And we, you know, Adam Grant's got a late, a great new uh, TED talk out where he addresses this, where, you know, we take that feedback and people think, oh, that means I'm not good opposed to the idea not being good. And, and we take that and we, and we just suppress that creativity. And next thing you know, we hit 45 and we're wearing dockers and driving a minivan and, you know, we've, we've flushed it all down the drain. So, but, but, you know, anytime you, you, you know, you give somebody and say, Hey, you got a PowerPoint presentation to do or something. And, and, you know, we see people want to express themselves so they, you know, bring in crazy pictures and all the animations and everything as a desperate attempt to express themselves in any way, shape or form. So we are all artists, and as the cost of production has come down, now we're all taking shots of our food, and we all think we're beautiful photographers on Instagram, and <laughs> and, and and you're proving it right here. You know, I mean, ten years ago, you wouldn't. It would have been more difficult for you to have this as a radio show, mm-hmm. but now that you're empowered to do that with this low cost of production, you can explore that side of being an artist. Beyond that, you know, artists, I think, are are. Are we, we as business people can learn a lot from artists because artists have the they that the art comes first 
And there, there typically isn't a bias. If you're a real artist and you express yourself, you, there, there is no like, well, will this painting sell or will this book sell or will this dance sell? You're really just expressing yourself. And, and sadly, far too many creative pursuits in business um, start with, will this drive business? And not that that's not important. It, it, it absolutely is. It's the most important thing. But, but we kill the creative ideas because we don't think you know, that it's going to work or we don't think it'll drive sales or it fails, you know, day one where, uh, you know, an artist doesn't have that bias. So they just express themselves and they, and they let their art find its voice. And in, in business, we typically kill those ideas in, in the first stage and we don't give them their time to, to come to find themselves. Also artists are, are great in that they, you know, kind of say the artists stop, look and listen you know, that they're, they're expressing themselves, but they're typically expressing themselves in reaction to something else, that something has occurred and something has bubbled up inside them when they express themselves based on what they've seen or what they've heard or what they think is going on in the world. And in business, what do we do? We just look at our three closest competitors and we benchmark their success and we keep our head down and, you know, we never tour the shop floor and we never get into the, into the field, into the sales field, and we don't get into retail stores. We just kind of sit at our desk and do stuff. And we forget that we have to observe the world. Great comedy is an observation, uh, is an expression based on an observation that we've had of something that has occurred in the world. And a lot of business people, they just don't do that. And and so we, we we have this desire to be an artist. We have the ability to do it, but we don't create those the environment for ourselves to do it. And then we wonder how, well, geez, why am I not creative? I'm sitting at my desk for 12 hours, you know, staring at a, at a, at a, at a word doc. Um, you just, you need to get out a little bit more. And um, the final piece I think that's really important is um, a, a real artist doesn't feel that they have competition. You know, like I, I remember there was this, there was this, um, uh, there's this thing that, that occurs that I went to in, in Toronto called Art Battle. It's a really wonderful uh, event that take that takes place, and it's literally like six artists, and they get you know given 20 minutes, and they go go, and they have to paint, and there's like all these spectators cheering them on, oh, cool. and, <laughs> and and it's amazing, you know, it's like, it's like full contact wow. painting. And yeah, so I so I went to this and I got to interview a lot of the artists there, and they were so supportive of one another. And I said, why are you being so supportive? Because that guy over there, I mean, he wants to sell the paintings just as much as you do. He's your competition. And they, pretty much every single one of them said the same thing, and that was, no, we have no competition. We have hmm. no competition. And if somebody else buys that painting, then that's because that specific style and that specific piece is perfect for them. And if I start looking at that person as competition, then I'm going to start, because he got the sale on that painting, they're going to alter the thing that I think is really important to what he's doing or what she's doing. And then that just is a, that, then we all just become a commodity where nobody is kind of carving out anything unique. We're all just doing the lowest common denominator that, that's going to get the most sales. And that is, you know, that's a race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And great artists, they just, they just know that, that they they have to stay true to themselves. They have to they have to be driven by this you know this higher belief and inspiration, and 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 produce works that are that are based on that. And the second they start comparing themselves to other people, they're a commodity. And nobody makes money when it's a commodity. Only the largest player 
who can cut costs. And, you know, not that that's not an appropriate business, but I don't know that it's one that a lot of people want to pursue. Well, and hearing you talk like this reminds me of how winemakers talk uh, in Napa. They all are very supportive yeah. of one another and for the same exact reason. They're like, well, my wine might not be the best for everybody, but if somebody's buying wine from the guy down the street, we're we're all in this together. We're all just enjoying this thing that is kind of an art. So it's interesting because I do think that there are places where there is that kind of support, but it's few and far between in the business world. Yeah, it's interesting because when you when you look at certain categories, um, you know, well, people will do the like, all right, we're going to do a competitive review, and they do it, you know, once a year or whatever, or they're they're kind of tracking their competition. And what ends up happening, if you look at you know the credit card space kind of thing, you know, um, they look at each other and they go, what are their commercials and what are their products and oh, we got everyone's delivering eighteen percent interest. I guess we got to do that. <laughs> and then when you look at the real disruptors in any category over the past five years. They've all come from out of left field. Mm -hmm. No one saw them coming. No one was tracking their success. They just popped up. They started as a little kernel of an idea that was really, really interesting. And next thing you know, Airbnb books more rooms globally than Hilton does. And nobody was looking at them because Hilton was only looking at Marriott and looking at Sheraton and, and everybody else. And and so if you if you constantly look at your competition, you're not going to see your real competition, which is a 14-year-old kid, you know, sitting mm -hmm. in a basement in Idaho. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, you know, it's fascinating as you were talking about sort of the intersection of art and how basically business stifles creativity so often. And we've all seen that. I think of, you know, if you look up the synonym for creativity, you are not going to find the word cubicle in there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was interesting. A lot of what you were talking about described i think what so many people revere about steve jobs was he put that aesthetic he started with that aesthetic and i think if you look at his failures to your point about sort of the reality part he end when he failed he ended with the aesthetic he didn't just start there you know he, he ignored sort of the operational and stuff but he, he started there he started with that 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 pure creativity and i think that's what so many people revere and i think people feel it's out of touch but you make a good case that, you know, it's in all of us. Yeah, you know, I mean, even if you go one step before Steve Jobs, you know, um, and I'm totally dating myself in myself here, so younger listeners turn away. But <laughs> but nobody was asking for a Sony Walkman. You know, nobody asked right. that. And if they had, if you had done consumer surveys and tests and feedback forms, nobody would have said, create a device that does this. Nobody, does, nobody did that. And, and Sony kind of created the Walkman, I think, which was – Really, the I I don't know that it was, but I imagine that it was some sort of inspiration to Steve to Steve Jobs to create a, an iPod. Right, exactly. We all uh, stand on the. Uh, no, nothing's truly original. There's always there's, <laughs> no. al there's always some detritus from what came before you. But you know, one yeah, one of the, one of the things you were mentioning was our podcast, all of these avenues for creation that are allowing people to express creativity, but are also creating a ton of noise and one of one of the topics you talk about that i love is the battle to cut through that noise and get people's attention and then you had this quote you're not competing against your direct competitor for time you're competing against cat videos yeah. <laughs> Which I, that's a great quote ron it really is so tell us about thriving in an expression economy and what individuals and brands can do to stand out 
Well, you know, the, 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 you're right. And the expression economy, is, as, as I define it, is this notion that, you know, we, an, we can all, you know, produce content. And, and if the cost of production has come down and massive distribution through the Internet has occurred, it's created this desire to create and consume niche content. And so, you know, pick any weird little niche you want. Um, and, you know, before maybe you had a magazine and, you know, the, the example I, I typically use is, is knitting, you know, that maybe if you're a knitter, well, before you just you had a knitting magazine and then you stayed at home and you knit when you wanted to. And and now because the cost production is so low and there you can, you can uh, you know, produce that content for people all over the world. You don't need mass audience to make it work. So you can have a thousand people all around the globe, all who have a really, really specific interest on the thing that they absolutely love. And if it's knitting, well, now you can, you know, uh, you can you can have a pod, you can listen to a podcast on knitting, and you can watch instructional videos on knitting. You can download great patterns, and you can sell your stuff on Etsy, and 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 all this stuff. So the thing you love more than anything in the world. You can now geek out on twenty four seven, and 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 you know what what that's doing is and and you know coming from a traditional advertising background, you know like what and you're a car company and you're going to try and cut through with a direct mail piece. You're going to compete against direct mail piece. The other angle here is that for for brands and people in business, that because consumers have the tools to create all this stuff themselves, you know they don't have to go to legal, they don't have to sell it to their boss, they don't have to secure budget. They can just do it. It's way more authentic to use a completely overused word, but it is way more authentic, and um, and 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 they can just they can just do it, and they're doing it faster and and better, uh, and the social networks that I have built in those are all completely they're there they're organic they're not trying to amplify their their social posts on 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 Facebook not that that's a not that that's a bad thing but um, you know they they can just they can they can kick our butts 24/7. So 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 what do people do to to win that 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 battle for time? Well, the first thing I th- I think that 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 brands and and business leaders have to do is they you know they kind of have to stand for something greater. So in this sea of you know of content that's out there, um you know the like I said the consumers are exhausted from getting pitch slapped. You know, everybody's got an offer and everyone's got a promo and everyone's got a a rebate and there's never been a better time to buy this car and this is the perfect thing. And and talking about product and the rational side of of business doesn't work. It's just there's just way too much noise out there. So you you have to really stand for something greater. You know, Simon Sinek fans out there will will, will kind of define this as as the why mm-hmm. uh, of of that. The the second thing that that we need to do is we need to have our content be activated and be fulfilled in person. And we have completely shut out the in-person experience, the face-to-face content, as we all kind of geeked out on e-commerce and digital capabilities. You ever walk into a store these days? We have turned our back on stores and and they're they're just this barren wasteland of empty shelves and horrible salespeople, <laughs> and 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 we have people within organizations who aren't living up to the the content that we've shared. There aren't people who aren't you know their personal brands aren't aligned with the organizational brands because great branding isn't about an ad and it's not about a piece of content and it's not about a logo. 
It is about an action. It is about a behavior. And so if you're saying that your brand is 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 the latest in technology, then you know what? You better act that way. And if you say that you're a really friendly brand, well, damn it, when I call you, I should get the friendliest voice possible. And so there's this there's these huge areas of activation that that, that we're missing out on. The third piece I'll say is that you know um, the, the the communication has has changed from this really kind of sales heavy communication to one that's real you know more um, you know it's more honest and it's and it's more uh, the the tone of communication has changed and how we communicate with people and the tone in which we communicate with people be it on a podcast or in a blog or in a phone call using old old school you know landline. That that has to all be consistent, and and it has to be done in a way that has great personality. It has to be real, and um, the stuff that's scripted and that sounds like legalese or filled with jargon. Again, regardless of the channel, you're dead. You're dead mm-hmm. in the water. It's not going to cut through. But colorful stuff that has a real personality and that's, that's that's that has a real person speaking it. That gets really interesting. You know, there's a there's a, a wine that I just heard about yesterday and I started to kind of do some research on it. Um and it's um and it's called Reckless Love. I just heard about this. And and in the cork there's it just says Doug and has got a guy's number. And somebody was telling me about it and they said, We saw this, we called the guy, we called the number. And it's the make it's the winemaker. He's got his phone oh, number there. I love he it. He answers his phone. He takes calls from people who bought his wine. And this is phenomenal. I mean, one, because it's kind of an old school kind of way of connecting with people. Two, the number's there. He actually picks up the phone. It wasn't an idea that he said, you know, reach in, please like us on Facebook and blah, blah, blah. He actually answers his phone. And he has real conversations with real people. And, and that is phenomenal. We have to do more of that. Yeah, I would agree. And I think people really respect that when you you get the access like that to, to the real person, to the real people involved with it. And Yeah, because we've all, we've all been there, right? We've all been – whether you walk into a store, you call the customer service thing or whatever, and you could, you could hear it in their voice that they're following a script, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and when you, you kind of throw curveballs and they just kind of jump to the third paragraph, you know? Right, right. And, and, and that's horrible. You can't cut through with that because I'd smell it from a mile away. I know that you're, you're actually not a real person. You're, ju- you're just the messenger from some corporate copywriter who's mm-hmm. told you what to say. Right. And you've lost <laughs> me. Well, it wouldn't be our podcast, which is all about customer experience and customer service, if we didn't talk about that a little bit. And so I understand from Adam that you told one of the craziest customer service stories he had ever heard about losing your luggage. And (laughs) so I'm wondering, because we've all had that experience. I had that experience very recently. uh, And I'm curious, you know, can you share that? Can you at least give us a glimpse of what that story was? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, as I mentioned, I travel a lot, and uh, you know, I never, like most of you out there who fly, never check a bag. You just don't. Do, bad things mm-hmm. happen when you check a bag. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and on, on this particular day, uh, you know, a colleague texted me and said, "Check your bag. There's issues at security. Just it'll be easier." So I did, and, and I checked it, and then I got to my destination, uh, which was Calgary, I believe, uh, and, um, and the bag, you know, and um, so I 
tweeted out that the, it was it was Air Canada, which is a fine airline, you know, uh, wonderful airline. Um, but in this case, you know, they 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 lost my bag. It's, it's, it can happen. And um, so I just I got back to Toronto and had this you know voice message saying, "Oh, we got your bag, and we'll deliver it tonight between six and nine p.m." And so I you know I waited and they you know, didn't show up. Mm. And then the you know I called them the next day and you know well, what happened? And I'm like, "Oh, well, sorry, I'm sorry. Tonight, six nine p.m. We'll you know, we'll have your bag." Yeah, didn't happen again. Third night, same thing. Oh my gosh! So now I'm going to take. And uh, because you know what, in the expression economy, right? Yeah. Battle for time, and you just wasted three nights, and so now I'm really angry. And um, so I, you know, I from the first moment the bag didn't show up, I I kind of took to Twitter and Facebook and said, ah, oh, they lost my bag. And 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 this is what's interesting because now we have these our close friends who kind of monitor our frustration, right? <laughs> and and so somebody wrote and said, ah, oh, you know, you know, from the first moment they lost your bag, like, oh, it sucks to be you, or you know, whatever. And a couple of people kind of chime in. But then every point of contact, you know, every time they said they would call mm-hmm. and didn't call, I posted to Facebook. Mm-hmm. Every time they said that a bag would be there and it wasn't there, I posted to Facebook. And I was just, I was updating this, this, you know, this kind of stream of consciousness. And more and more people kind of hopped onto the conversation. And, you know, some people added their own content, you know, their own personal experience. Oh, they lost my bag when I went to Singapore. I never saw it. You know, good luck. <laughs> you know, other people started kind of curating other con- content going like, here's a, you know, a funny stand-up bit about lost luggage. I thought you'd think it was hilarious. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, very funny. Thank you for that. And um, and uh, it's funny because it got to the point that at one point I, I wrote, you know, the manager said he would call me at, at 2 o'clock. And literally at 2.05, an ex-girlfriend from Halifax on the other side of the country <laughs> called me and said, what's going on? What's the update? We're all sitting here waiting for the update. You know? Uh, so I, so I, I started a Facebook group uh, that was simply called Air Canada, please give Ron Tide his bag back. Oh my God. And, um, you know, 12 hours later, there's, there's over 400 members to the group. Uh, and um, so I, you know, again, people start to chime in on the group and, one person sent an email to the courier company who acts on Air Canada's behalf uh, and encouraged everybody else to do the same. You know, uh, the second person said, you know, <laughs> I've, I've found the, e- or I've got the email for the COO of Air Canada. Here's his email address. And, oh my and, goodness. And by the way, don't ask me how I got it. <laughs> uh, and the third person said, I'm with the CBC, national broadcaster. We'd like to talk to you about this. I was like, oh, this is getting good. <laughs> And so I, you know, I wrote the COO and said, I, you know, I could go on and on about what I've experienced and, uh, you know, I, over the past week and I will direct you to the Facebook page, Air Canada, please give Ron Tyson's bag back. And failing that, you can tune into the news tonight where I'll, you know, tell my story. And, um, you know, a little, 10 minutes later, I get this phone call uh, and I was like, uh, hi, it's Patrick from Air Canada, you know, uh, you'll have your bag in 30 minutes. I was like, ah, I'm calling BS on that one. You know, I'm not sure it's going to show up. And 28 minutes later, this bag arrives. You know, amazing. But the best part is that 10 minutes after that, another bag arrived. And so I've got two bags. And I, I go upstairs and I see this great bag with an Air Canada sticker on. It's brand new. And I'm like, okay, that's amazing. You know, they bought me this, this new luggage. That's fantastic. And then I opened it up. I did like nowhere to lie. What was in the bag was 
uh, a bottle of wine, deli meat, <laughs> cheese, uh, dress socks, uh, plastic handcuffs, <laughs> uh, a Nerf football, and condoms. <laughs> what? <laughs> right? and, and then when I dug a little deeper, there was a note from a guy named Brian Noon, who's an editor, a fantastic editor. And he, the note just said, we heard about your luggage fiasco and thought we would replace the items we can only presume were in your luggage when you lost it. And that it comes full circle, right? That, 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 that's the trouble with brands. That there's all these things going on of people who have the creative ability with really low production costs to do really, really interesting things and to amplify those things. Um, to a community that is that is more passionate about that person and about that that issue than any brand ever will be, and um, it is it is changing the face of business. And I, we've kind of heard all this before, you know, like socials, you know, but it, but it really is. And and there are far too many brands are just checking the box, right? Kind of going, all right, we got to be on Facebook, all right? All right, we're there. Um, I think it's it's it, the the foundations of how we interact with prospects and and clients and and one another. Is is more than just the platform. Um, it is the tone. Uh, it is everything. Um, with with uh, changing everything, how we communicate with people. Well, that's a great story, and I I wish I could be a fly on the wall when those guys got together and they were like, okay, what what should we put in this luggage? Like, okay, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That in itself was such an amazing creative exercise, right? Somebody, <laughs> I want to know the person who said like Nerf football. Put yeah. a Nerf football, and that's amazing. <laughs> And dress socks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I don't wear dress socks. <laughs> oh, man. Well, what an incredible story. Is the uh, Facebook group still live? Can we link to it? Or is it dead? Uh, I, you know what? I think I took it down because, um, one, I mean, I didn't think it was fit. I mean, Air Canada is a wonderful organization. And, and you know, I mean, we're, we can't all be perfect. And so I, I felt like... I don't, you know, if they they solved it, and I don't want them kind of been being run through the trash per- permanently. Um, and then also, people, <laughs> yeah, and, I've, and people started to post inappropriate things just because uh. there was a connected group there, and I was like, ah, you know, it's run its course. It did what it needed to do, and I, I think I took it down. Uh, well, yeah, if if more customers would be that uh, even-handed, <laughs> it would be a much better <laughs> yeah. world. Let me tell you. Yeah, we all have to be responsible tweeters. You know, yeah. um, we're all just people who are. Um, you know, I mean, Eric, you can talk about Air Canada as a brand, but at, behind that brand is a bunch of people, and they got their kids' t-ball at six, and they got to repair a fridge, and you know, they're just people are busy, and um, exactly. we don't always get it right. Exactly. Well, that on that very evolved note, which I love. Uh, thank you so much. This has been great. Very insightful. Uh, I've learned a few things. One, tweet responsibly. Two, do not lose Ron Tite's luggage. <laughs> and three, uh, we need to all find our inner artists better. So tell us, uh, you've got so much great stuff out there. Tell us where people can find you on the internet. Well, you can Google Ron Tight. Uh, it's the great part of having a seven letters in your first and last name. That uh, it's Twitter is at Ron Tight and RonTight.com. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, the, the Tight Group, which is the agency, is TheTightGroup.com. Perfect. Oh, well, thank you so much, Ron. We really appreciate it. This was great. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. This was a blast. This was fun, Ron. Thanks. Thanks. 
We hope you enjoyed episode 114 of Crack the Customer Code. You can see the show notes for this and all episodes. Subscribe and send us feedback at crackthecustomercode.com. And thank you to audible.com for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget to sign up for a free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash customer code. I'm Jeannie Walters. Don't forget, you can find all of our show notes and episodes at crackthecustomercode.com. And I'd love to connect with you. Learn more about me at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam Tapork. If you want to get your teams trained and delivering hero class customer service, connect with me and find out more about our customer service workshops and training at customersatstick.com. And uh, you know what, everybody? We love reviews and Jeannie loves feedback. So if you get a chance, <laughs> hop on iTunes and show us some love. <laughs> Until next time. Take care of yourself. <laughs> and take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.